Good morning. Great to be together. The psalmist David, he wrote in Psalm 122, he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I trust that you have the same excitement, the same joy of being here as we are here to worship him, our God. He's done great things. He has blessed us in so many ways. And we're here to just give him back what is due unto him this morning. What I want to do this morning is just take a look at, at what is written um, in the book of Joshua. There's an account of a man that did something very wrong. He did something in secret, and later on it, it cost him a lot. And as we see here in Joshua chapter 7, beginning of verse number 1, it says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things, for Achan took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. So usually when we think about sin, we think about it in a, in a personal sense. We, we see it as something that, that I messed up, and so it's between me and God. And so in that sense, I guess we would tend to think that most of the sins that we commit that nobody ever knows except for me and my Father, God. But the reality is, no matter if anyone might know about what we commit, no matter how big or how small the sin that might be that we do sin, sin is still sin. And so we transgress God's commands when we sin. But not only that, but also our relationship and our fellowship with Christ, or with God and Christ suffers too. It's kind of like what John wrote here in John chapter 1 and verse number 1 as we begin in verse number uh, chapter 1 uh, verse number 5 it says this is the message we have, we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness there's a result to that he says we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, there's a result of that saying we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. You read this in, in this passage with John, and he describes sin as a personal problem between us and God. But sometimes our personal or some, maybe sometimes our silent sins might turn into something more than just that. They might turn into something that is much bigger and could potentially affect those around us. And that's what I want to focus on as we talk about the account of Achan and how sin that he had committed just didn't affect him. It affected his family. It affected an entire nation. 
And I want to talk about the dangers of our own personal sin and the potential of consequences that it could bring. You go back a little bit before the context of Joshua chapter 7, and you're going to find that Israel had wandered in the wilderness for those 40 years. And God had promised them over and over again, I'm going to give you a land, the promised land, the land of Canaan. I'm going to give you this land. And eventually that promise came true. So God finally gave them that promised land. The people of Israel, they came over, they crossed the Jordan, and they came to the first city, the city of Jericho. We all know what happened there in the city of Jericho, about how they marched around that, that city for a whole week, one time around that city for those first six days. And then on the seventh day, they marched around that city for, those, for seven days, everyone being quiet, nobody saying anything. And then the horn of the ram was, was blown, and then the trumpets were blown, and then a big shout from the people of Israel as they surrounded that city and the scriptures tell us that the walls fell in. The, pe the people of Israel invaded. They captured the city. They burned the city. It was a great victory for God's people in an effort to obtain the land of Canaan as God had promised them. On this particular occasion, you could see the power of God on display about how God had, had helped them in their battle and how God was uh, was in, uh, uh, with them the whole way. And perhaps they thought, the people of Israel, thinking, well, we have the Lord on our side. No one is able to defeat us. After all, he's promised this land to us. We're invincible. And so this was a great victory for the children of God, but their next battle was not going to be so easy. And so you look at verse 1 again as we read. And verse 1 starts with the word but. And that word changes quite a bit with the tone and what is about to happen in Israel. So what's changed? Well, as we see in verse 1 here, Achan had done something that he was not supposed to do. He committed the sin of taking some of the spoils from their battle there in Jericho, and he kept it for himself, and he hid it in secret. And from this secret sin, it changed how God would help his people in the next battle. And so they go and they, they take assessment of the land. Little did Joshua and the others know that Achan had done this until they felt the results of it a little bit later on because they learned the hard way. And they learned this when they planned their next town to, to conquer. And so in their pursuit, their pursuit to conquer some more of the land of Canaan, they're looking to Ai now. And so Joshua, he sent out some guys to spy out that city or that town, see what we're up against. And so they come and they make observations. They come back and tell Joshua, oh man, this is going to be easy. There's not as many people there. It's going to be an easy battle for us. In fact, I think we only need about two to 3,000 people to go and fight these people there at Ai, the Amorites. And so that's exactly what they do. 
the Bible says they sent about 3,000 troops over there to conquer in an attempt to conquer Ai. Well, little did Joshua and the soldiers know that the Lord was going to teach them a lesson about the consequences of sin and disobedience because when they went up there to Ai, man, they were in for a surprise. And even though they had counted them as small a number and thought this was going to be a piece of cake, that was not the case when they got up there to Ai to fight these, these Amorites. In fact, they ran away during battle with their tails between their legs back to camp because they got whooped. It was so devastating to the people of Israel thinking this was going to be easy and about the 3,000 troops that we sent over there, 36 of our men died. And if you ask me, you send about 3,000 men and 36 don't come back, in my mind, that, that's kind of good, good odds. I mean, that's minimal loss, if you ask me. But not to the people of Israel. They're thinking, God, if you're on our side, nobody should have died. We should have won that battle. So they were mad. In fact, Joshua was mad. Some of the leaders were mad. They tore their clothes because they were just besides themselves. And, and how did this happen? Why did this happen? And so they start complaining. And so Joshua, he cries out to God in verse number 7 here in Joshua chapter 7. Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? And so we have Joshua's complaining to God it led them to believe that they were, they were actually better off on the other side of Jordan outside of the promised land than they were inside because word was now going to get around about how the mighty army of Israel who had defeated Jericho had been the underdogs to the rest of the inhabitants of Canaan, especially there at Ai. Word's going to get around and those people of, of Canaan are going to think, we got these guys. Whenever they come to our town, we're going to get them. And Joshua is saying, if they think that they could beat us, and they already did beat us, what does that say about you, God, who said you're going to protect us? What does that say about you? And about their foreign gods against you? And you can see why he was so upset. And from all this complaining and about all this worry, Joshua asked God, why did this happen? Why did you deliver us? into the hands of the Amorites. You know what happened next? God answered him. He answered him, beginning in verse number 10. I'm not going to read this. I'm going to paraphrase this, beginning in verse number 10, because it appears to me God is not pleased with them due to his response. In fact, God told Joshua, you get up. You get up. Because I'm going to tell you why the Amorites defeated you. It's because Israel sinned. 
And they sinned by breaking their covenant with me, by bringing in some of the spoils of battle that I specifically told you not to do. And God went on to tell Joshua that he was not going to be with, with Israel and protect them until they've solved this problem and taken care of the sin. Now, Israel, they weren't, they weren't ignorant of, of what rules and regulations there were when what they could and could not do and take from battle. In fact, Joshua had provided them instructions before they actually went into battle against uh, the people of Jericho. It says this in Joshua 6, verse 18, And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. They knew exactly not to take from the spoils from their victory there in Jericho. So the Lord did not want his people to take anything from the battle except for valuable items like, like gold and silver. But when they were to take those items, he specifically said, that's for the treasury. That's for the treasury. But taking the spoils is exactly what happened at the Battle of Jericho and why Israel had lost the battle against the Amorites is because someone broke the rule. So the Lord told Joshua, I want you to start sanctifying the people for the removal of sin among them. And I want us to notice this was, a be, this was to be an immediate action. I'm going to ex kind of expand upon that a little bit later this morning. But sin was to be discovered and sin was to be taken care of immediately. And so God commanded Joshua, prepare the people for sanctification. Start the process in the morning. And that's exactly what happened. This process given to find out who was guilty involved in narrowing it down to the tribe and to the family and to the household and then to the man. And so all the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel, were brought before the leaders in Joshua in order to find out who was guilty of the crime of taking the spoils. Now you've got a whole lot of people in the nation of Israel some are saying there could be a few million within that nation. And so how in the world are you going to determine who is guilty? Well, I don't know the process, but they narrowed it down as they brought all the tribes before the leaders of the 12 tribes. They selected the tribe of Judah. And among the tribe of Judah, they narrowed it down to the family of the Zarhites. And within the family of the Zarhites, they narrowed it down to the household of Zabdi. And then from the household of Zabdi, they found him. Achan was guilty. He was guilty. And I don't think this is by just pure chance, like, like they just drew the short straw out of the whole bunch. I do believe that God had a part in choosing who was guilty of the crime. And imagine being Achan. Imagine thinking, I'm in the clear. What are the chances of them finding out that it was me? One in several million or a few million. But as it narrowed down more, and closer and closer to him, to the tribe and to the family and the household. The heart racing 
and the guilt building, thinking, oh man, it, they, could, they could find me out. And they did. And we've felt that guilt before when we've done something that we thought no one would ever find out, but someone did find out. Imagine the guilt. Think back to your childhood, something you did wrong, and you think, oh man, I hope mom and dad don't find out. Mom and dad always found out. <laughs> and you think, man, I'm busted. But he's taken to Joshua. Joshua asked him to tell him what he had done and why Israel is in such dismay. So we find here, as we continue on in the book of, uh, in the chapter of seven, Achan, he lays it out. He spills the beans. And so he says, and Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a, weight, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. He said, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So upon him telling the truth, Joshua, he sent some of his troops over there to Achan's tent. And sure enough, they found what he had described there in the midst of his tent. And so they brought them back to Joshua. And if you ask me what happens next is a horrible thing. Yeah, but I, I believe it was a necessary thing. They took Achan. They took his family. They took uh, the spoils. They took his whatever he had for his livestock. And they went just outside of Jericho. And they stoned him and his children and his livestock all to death. And they burned the remains and they threw a bunch of rocks upon the remains. And from that day forward, they called it the Valley of Achor, which is just outside Jericho. And those rocks are there to serve as a reminder to the people of Israel, it's wrong to sin against God. And these are the consequences for disobeying the Lord God. And so ends the account of Achan, a man who sinned in secret, yet the consequences of that secret sin in just affecting not just his family, not just him, but an entire nation. And so what are some of the things we can learn from this passage and about the sin that we commit even in our own life? Well, First of all, this morning, when sin and wrong are uncovered, God calls immediate action upon the wrong that we've done in our life. You see, when the Lord responded to Joshua after Joshua had complained to him about why they lost the battle, the Lord told Joshua, begin the process of sanctifying the people right away for the process of finding the sin to begin in the next morning. And there was no hesitation uh, on God's end to take care of the problem. God did not tell Joshua, well, we're just, going to let, we're just going to fill this out for a while. We're going to see if there's anyone who's guilty enough that maybe it's going to burn on their conscience, then finally they're going to confess. We'll just let this one just kind of simmer for a little while, and we'll see what happens. 
That is not what happened. They found out immediately. And God called immediate action. And that's a theme. Whenever you read about repentance or, or, or sin throughout scriptures, there is always the call from God, take care of it now. Take care of it immediately. And there's always that sense of urgency in that call. And the reason, there are, there are reasons for that ur urgency. One reason is that we don't get too involved in the wrong that we're committing. And when we respond urgently to our sins, it keeps us from going further in that wrong action and digging a deeper hole for ourselves. But not only that, another reason is that we don't have to suffer the consequences or maybe not as much from the, that comes from that sin. And one of the reasons why God wants us to stay away from sin is that we don't have to reap the consequences of it. God wants us to have the best life possible. He wants that for me. He wants that for you. He wants that for everybody. It is worth living a life of holiness and righteousness for the Lord. And it keeps us from having to endure consequences that are simply unnecessary from decisions that we make. And so this idea is stated over and over in the book of Proverbs of how Solomon as a father, is telling his son about the lessons of life. And he's saying, son, you need to be wise. And if you are wise, you will not have to endure the sufferings and the consequences that come from bad decisions in your life and sin in your life either. Now, sometimes a confession is too late to avoid discipline. But the primary purpose of a confession is not to get out of trouble. The purpose of a confession is to reestablish fellowship and turn our lives back over to God. Now, when we do give confession, will we reap consequences of our sins after we confess them? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes the damage is already done. But with confession, there is always the need to repent of what we've done. And so the best things that we can do for ourselves is take care of our sins right away. And tell others that we will never, ever do, do that again. Maybe create a buddy system, an accountability system. If there is something that keeps popping up in your life, and work on that. After all, we are called to repent. And that's what the Lord requires of all of us. But another thing we see from this event, number two, is that we're reminded how nothing is, escapes the omniscience of God. When Achan took what he was not supposed to take from Jericho, he might have been able to do it without anyone seeing him, without ever, ever, ever being caught. But even through his actions, even if nobody saw him, someone was watching. You know who was watching? God. God was watching. He wasn't able to fool God. And it's because of God's omniscient nature, uh, nature, he was able to know exactly what Achan had done. You know, we used to sing, it's not in the songbooks that we sing from right, uh, right now in the pews, but we used to sing, there's an eye watching you. And the song reminds us that sin never escapes the watchful eye of our Lord. 
We can fool ourselves and we can fool others, but we'll never, ever be able to fool the Lord. And God sees the sin in our lives and he desires us to deal with it. He doesn't want us to hide it and put it away. Hiding it only hinders our progress in God's will and plan. You know, Solomon wrote this. He said in Proverbs 28, verse 13, he said, He who covers his sins will not prosper. But on the contrary, whoever confesses and forsakes them, he says, will have mercy. And we see the contrast between the two, don't we? Numbers 32 and verse 23 reminds us, he says, be sure your sins will find you out. And it's similar to the idea of reaping what we sow because of the natural consequences of God's spiritual and moral laws and because of, of what God, uh, how he, how, how he uh, uh, interacts with us, if you will, through his word. However, here in this passage, it does not just teach that sin will be discovered, but that the consequences of our sin can be active agents in discovering us and finding us out. It's like what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6 and verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. And I think the reason why, there's a reason why Paul wrote that because sometimes we can deceive ourselves. He says, God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So we have a choice to what we reap to or what we sow to. And depending depending on, on our choices and what we do, what are we going to reap, good or bad? We can all try to cover our sins and we can try to lie about it, but eventually our sin is going to find us out because of the guilt that can weigh in us. Maybe people would, maybe if, if there's so much guilt in our lives, there could be people that are close to us and think there's something that might be troubling us. Maybe we're just not the same person. Maybe we're not as happy as we usually are. But that's what sin will do to us if we just try to hide it. From other people. But another thing that we can see as we take a look at this event is that the words that are found in verse number one, the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Well, that dramatically calls our attention to the holiness of God. And the reason why is because sin is no small matter with God. Again, it doesn't matter how secret our sin might be. It doesn't matter how little we might think the sin is. Sin is rebellion. And even though Christ died for our sins and stands at God's right hand as our advocate and our intercessor, God does not and he cannot treat sin in our lives lightly. There is absolutely no compromise about sin because it's against his nature. It's against his character. It's against his holiness. It's against his righteousness. It's against his love. And it's against his purposes for us because it hinders 
what he is able to do for us and how we can progress in our lives in a spiritual manner for him if we hold on to it. We can never, ever be justified by the sin that is in our life. And all it's going to do is lead to eternity and torment because that is how serious sin is to God. And so we see the holiness of God and how he wants us to get rid of it whenever it is in our lives. So that we've seen this morning that if we choose to keep sin hidden, eventually our sins are going to find us out. And sin is never secret before the Lord, and God will judge us according to what he knows and not, not according to what man knows, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 10. So we've already read this at the beginning. But as a call to us that I have failures, I make mistakes, I sin, we all sin. But God's promised us something. And this is the wonderful promise. He says, if we confess our sins, if I mess up and I confess them, he is faithful. What is he faithful to do? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that tells me? tells me I have a second chance. It tells me he's willing to look beyond my failures and say, I forgive you, I love you, and I want what's best for you as long as I repent and confess of what I've done. And he makes that same promise to you. If there is sin in your life, you can repent of that. And you can confess. And God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. What a wonderful father we have, don't we? We do. He is better to us than we deserve. He, all, he wants every one of us to succeed. He wants every one of us to make it to heaven. But we have to do our part in keeping sin out of our lives. But if we do mess up, he's there to help. Isn't that a great promise? It is. And so we want to never close without offering the Lord's invitation to you. If you've never become a child of God, you can become a child of God. Understanding the great thing what the Lord has done for you, sending Jesus to this world and living, living the life that he did, a sinless life, being the example he was, dying upon the cross for your sins, bearing your sins upon that cross. He died, he was buried, but praise be to God, he was resurrected so that we can have new life in him. The scriptures tell us you have to believe that. You have to have faith that Jesus did that for you. And then the scriptures tell us to repent of the life that we're living and to live a life devoted to God 
confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, as we find in Acts chapter 8, and then be baptized for the remission of your sins, as we see those people did in Acts chapter 2. And when those people did that, the scriptures tell us that the Lord added them to his church. It wasn't something that the church just decided who was going to be saved or not saved. The Lord adds the people to the church based upon the obedience of people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, you can do that today. The Lord wants you in the kingdom if you haven't done that today. But if you have, again, if there is sin in your life, take care of it now. Leave the guilt here. Leave. Leave with new purpose. And leave forgiven. Consider your life and consider this moment and the goodness of God. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.